0: Testing testing 1 2. Flash. Hello. Flash new mics. So hopefully this will be like the first episode we ever have where
1: no one complains about audio. I'm so excited to use hopefully. these mics, but I'm kind of like self a little bit paranoid as well because can it's so crisp. Yeah, and I am think like, mics will to you that.
0: I think um <laughs> touching the table and phones and stuff is going to be yeah, sounds like there's a little bit of feedback from you can that, hear. So. Absolutely everything. Yeah. So we'll so. work on that, guys,
1: because we tend to, yeah. especially me, I am 100% a fidgeter. Yeah. Sorry so about the uh, heavily caffeinated deep breaths as well. <laughs> <in> Advanced. <like. laughs>
0: yes. Yes. You do have a um, quite deep voice too. Now that I listen to it through this. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> so different to like the tin of our old mics.
1: It's going to be like listening to a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. A special guest today. So if you, this is the first episode you've ever listened to.
0: We do get better than this.
1: Um, we're just <laughs> warming up. we got so some our, new mics, we got some new toys. There's yeah. been audio issues the whole time. we yes. tried five different methods, spent all this money. And then now we've got these really expensive mics. Each. Yeah. And they're fucking pretty awesome. It. Yeah. So, yeah. So here we are. All our, all our audio quality from here on out should be pretty good. What's that song? Um, all the way up. Mm. We should have played that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could. Cause the sound is so good. Yeah, true that. (laughs) Um, All
0: right, so welcome to the STC Fit Learning podcast uh, episode brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, uh, at STC Fit underscore learning on Instagram and at STC Fit on Instagram. Um, So last week, we went deep into the mindset stuff. Um, We had a lot of really cool feedback about it. So if this is is your first episode, um, that's definitely one to go back to um had a lot of messages about it which is pretty cool because yeah the feedback was cool yeah a little bit left of where we've been of late um where this week yeah back onto the more we had quite a few technical questions and a couple of really specific ones so be fun to dive into like some case study stuff um maybe you can get jason and i to disagree on something yeah, I don't think we've had a major disagreement yet. Nah, seventy something episodes in, and we haven't argued. It's pretty boring, really. Yeah, but when was the last time that we really had a legitimate argument? Yeah. Well, anyway, well, maybe I'll watch. Um, I'll watch Game Changers and get converted, and then
1: you can fight me. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your house and physically fight you. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> You're fired. Man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so you had a couple of questions come in that we missed last week that were more specific. Yeah.
1: So first question, there. I'm gonna fire the um, the first question, which was real good. So it's talking about um, the processes of warming up mm. and staying warm, which is something I don't really hear about um, too much now. Yeah. And then it's uh, like if you have considerations for you know compound or general training or you know even comp day like how you would approach um staying in the zone and stuff which we've talked about a little bit but i guess let's talk about it more from a physical preparation than a mental preparation which we kind of went in yeah um so there's a lot of places we can go with this which is probably pretty valuable because i don't know about you but there's a lot of times where my clients will go oh how do i warm up or (laughs) When you were in the gym, I'm sure you would have experienced it. It's like you walk over to your clients, and then they're like ready to just load the bar up, and I'm like, "Fuck, you doing? Like, <laughs> you haven't done anything yet." And like, you put this so says, "You're like, what, what weight are you lifting?" And they're like, "Oh, 150." So then you put like 60 on, and you're like, "Okay, so do 10 reps," and they just look at you like, "What the fuck? What for? I'm like, because <laughs> that's not what I'm. That's about. how you prepare." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be probably valuable to go through the whole process.
0: Yeah, I think my starting point with that would be like most things to be honest is just the training age of the client and what kind of session yeah. they're about to go into like um if you're in a if you're an advanced power lifter about to go into squat one rms it's a very different situation to if you're a general fat loss person about to go into like a body comp focused session for 30 minutes
1: yeah definitely so
0: um, I actually always used to like, um, initially while well, I've like just, if I've just got a client and their goals are primarily just like weight loss, um, new to the gym, that type of stuff. Usually it's just the get warm on, um, the rower cause it's the most time effective and it's more about circulation and heart rate and body temperature than anything specific. Yeah. And then I'll usually watch that person, over their first phase of training and start to identify okay this is probably where you need to work on um, And once i know that then it's easier to start to select pre-exercise routines based off of that yep um, another one that i would probably say is a staple so i used to use the foam roller crucifix um one minute just breathing like belly breathing um four in four out type of thing more yes it opens you thoracic and that's great but more from the idea of if you do that every single time you go into the gym it gives you a bit of time to clear the rest of the day and focus on what you're about to do yeah so if traffic was really shit on the way to the gym then or like you're having a fight with your partner or whatever you wanted to fight someone because they stole your car park um you can come in and just kind of like bring all your shit back down and put yourself in the same position to train every time. Uh, I've moved to the 90 breathing drill, um, yeah. which is like, yeah, feet up against the wall, knees directly over the hips, tucking under to activate hamstrings and glutes, um, and then long exhales to engage the core. It's just like you're getting more benefit out of that than laying on a foam roller, but you're still getting the breath work in that's the routine base that gets you focused on training. Tusk your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Do you
1: have anything different for your like ultra beginners? Um, no, I think that the most important thing is probably to identify what's getting worked during the session and then just trying to simplify the steps from like walking into the gym then to you know getting it under the bar or you know on the bench or whatever is their first movement. Mm-hmm. So it's just identifying like trying to pick a warm-up routine that kind of dots the i's and crosses the t's in a very simple fashion which may not be super specific but it kind of doesn't need to be either because they're beginners so they you know like you said integrating from like something that just increases like core body temperature and respiration and heat body heat and then um moving them to yeah like active muscles and joints involved in the movement maybe even that aren't super specific and then yeah like as they get stronger you can start to get really, really, really specific and technical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really have, um, I just have like an upper body warm up routine and a lower body warm up routine just for the beginner guys. I'm like, do this, do that. Yep. If it's a full body session, i might like, do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like just the whatever the first exercise is, it's like, you know, do your ramp sets, which I think is still quite valuable, regardless of how strong someone is, just because that's like a hot lap in a car really like before the hot laps yeah the the cars you know cruising around at 50% power then 70% power then 90% power then they do that 100% you know all out kind of period which would be our working sets yeah so I think it's a really good method just to get them focused get them prepared for what they're about to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah yeah I like um
0: I like that at least the fifty percent method. Depending um, okay. again, depending on the training age of the the client, but starting with a maximum of fifty percent. Um, if you're more advanced, then typically I'll just be like, just move the bar, um, yeah. or like one plate for a deadlift or something like that, and then that gives you an idea of if you work, your warm up worked. Um, and usually, once you're at that kind of strength level, you have a little bit of an idea if you've been working with a good coach or, or learning yourself about like, oh, my shoulder's not feeling very stable today. I probably need to do more of that work before I continue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, this is probably we moving more now to intermediate and advanced, but understanding what those peripheral hubs of stability are and then making sure that we're, we're able to assess even day-to-day how they feel and function and then because you might spend like yes it's really important to activate and mobilize and stabilize the peripheral hubs of the body and involve the active joints that are in the workout but day-to-day that may change as well given that you know residual tightness over a session over a week of training from session to session will change if you don't train on a particular like you're not regimented with the days you train like i had to um miss a workout i didn't have to we got we drank way too much on sunday so uh, <laughs> saturday night so i wasn't training on sunday yeah which meant that i had to train uh yesterday tuesday so i just every session just went a day behind mm-hmm. but then i woke up on today and i'm just like oh you know like if i was to work out today because i'm a little bit flexible i kind of just stack my sessions around my schedule mm-hmm. I would be like, oh well, the warm up would be a lot different, yeah. you know. But today I'll probably just spend a bit of time on the floor stretching and stuff, and I'll take the dog for a walk. And then if I train tomorrow, the approach I take to that session yep. isn't the same. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So maybe coming back
0: to um, a- another question that's coming later it was just about like training beginners, um, speaking primarily to the, obviously the PTs, and if you're a beginner trainee yourself like there's a tendency to get caught up in way too much like sexy stuff to detail it. yeah it's like yeah. can. so one of the staples that we use when you talk about hubs of stability it's basically hips thoracic and shoulders so a movement that we use a lot is like a reverse lunge into a high knee challenges the gait cycle challenges hip stability engages the core increases proprioception um obviously that uh Blood flow for the joints, increased um, body temperature and respiration, all of that will come from that exercise if it's done really well. You can progress it really easily with like kettlebells. You can load inside center of mass, outside center of mass. Yeah. So that's a really great exercise for a hip warm up. But if yeah. you're a total beginner and you're about to do a workout where you squat to a bench, you're probably not going to perform that movement very well anyway. Yeah. And you may as well just do the bodyweight squat. Yeah, squat to a bench. Yeah, or like even if you're doing goblet squats, or even to a point maybe like um, front rack kettlebells, like just do the previous regression to warm up for that. So if you're going to do a goblet squat, some bodyweight squats, get your stability, get your positioning, get your coordination happening, and then cool, let's add some load. Then if you start to see slash feel the loads are getting to the point where you're noticing, okay, I'm lacking some stability here. Sweet. Now let's like start targeting that stability. Don't start with like throwing the kinshin sink at your warm-up to then go yeah. and goblet squat ten kilos.
1: Yeah, I think um being very present with how you function and feel when you're warming up is part of the warm-up process. Mm-hmm. If you get those active joints and muscles moving and you know, start using a a load that's not necessarily a working set but it's still enough to give you like cues on what you could potentially continue your warm up with yeah like I've engaged in movements and then you know gone off oh, my hip flexors are not feeling as loose as they have been or whatever and yeah. then I'll go and do a specific kind of thing for that rather than like doing like four or five different warm ups of the hip and then getting under a bar and then going so my hips are good, but my hip flexors aren't. Yeah. And then I still have to go and do, that go and do those. And I there's probably one or two movements. So I think simplifying the warm up process is probably the most important thing until you get really strong or you just spend a lot of time in the gym and your workout volume is really high and yeah. each day-to-day can just change. Then you kind of have that skill set of like, you know, it's a, if this, that, then that mentality, you know, like you kind of have the the arsenal of, tools to throw at whatever presents itself, providing you're very conscious of how you feel and function. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, to evolving from that kind of beginner, if you're a coach and you see somebody doing that goblet squat and it looks unstable, it's so easy to just like, okay, during your rest periods, I want you to do these reverse large knees to increase your yeah. stability because we've identified that that's maybe holding you back because most of that is going to be skill acquisition. You're not maxing out your leg strength with a goblet squat. Yeah. You're learning the movement to allow you to eventually be able to max out your leg strength with a squatting pattern. You're probably going to get in a leg press later on in the workout and like really do some work. Um, but you, you're trying to progress your, Function, stability, proprioception—all of those things with that movement. So there's no need to um, overcomplicate it, and you can just add it into the rest periods. If someone's coming in looking to like get fit, tone up, which is mo- majority of what beginners are looking for—is to move better, be stronger, and in be in better shape—then there's no issue with adding that as well. Oh, you're not good at bracing? Let's do some bracing drills between your sets. Like it's not. Um, it's not like you can only do warm-up stuff prior to start. exercise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, well, there's methods where they would look at, you know, set to set and go, go work on this. Yeah. Even after, isn't it like the West side method where they squat. And then after that, they're like, Oh, this is what we saw. Go and do, this. So go and do these exercises today Yeah. to sort out that thing that we saw. Isn't it crazy how like, I said this, who did I say it to the other day? Like, imagine training when you didn't have phones. Yeah. And you didn't have the ability to just rewind and like slow everything down. Like, yeah, everyone talks about, this is going way off, but whatever. <laughs> everyone talks about like that evolution of like equipment and yeah. technique. And um, I guess like the attention to detail, which has been the evolution of like, why we perform better. Mm-hmm. It could almost be the ability to freeze frame you know microseconds in time yeah and, and you don't like, need a like two thousand dollar machine at the ais to do it
0: yeah and, and it's like
1: see this bit and you're just flicking from one yeah. frame to another and you just see that chest dip or you know yeah. move forward or whatever and you're like that's what we need to fix it's like that's yeah could be a major contributing factor of like why we perform so well as we have these like
0: yeah once you've kind of moving beyond that beginner remember the client you're working with and what they're going to value in the session and the efficacy of it. So if you're asking a client to do a 15 minute warm-up and they don't really give a shit about it, the way they execute is probably going to be poor if they execute it at all. Um, so you're probably actually better off at like integrating that in between working sets and stuff. Then as you move into an intermediate, you're going to start to see dysfunction in patterns anyway. Whether that's like whether you're self-coaching or you have a coach, you want someone that's looking at you and going, "That doesn't look right. That doesn't look right. That doesn't look right," and assessing that. So if you have an online coach, um, make sure you are sending videos when stuff doesn't feel good, um, yeah. because it's it's really important to see that kind of stuff. So then you can do a warm up that is tailored to what you need. I have a pretty standard like you like a a standard upper body a standard lower body type warm-up most of the time yeah and then it's like there's a few really common things that we get like um, hypermobile because I work primarily with with ladies um, hypermobile girls who have like extended um, lumbar curves and getting back pain so just like warm-ups that are going to cue them to kind of brace, bring their hips back under them and get back into a proper stacked position. Um, typically is a standard particular for all sessions. Um, so that's like 90-90 breathing or some kind of hip drill and stuff like that, breathing drills. And then shoulders stuff for upper body as well, just to prevent any pain that's coming. Get under the bar, how does it feel? And then like if. You don't want to. Uh, another thing I guess to raise is you don't want to be chasing every dysfunction, niggle, no. kind of little pain that you have only in your warm ups. You need to consider your programming as well. Yeah, so it's like if I'm every time I bench this hurts. It's like okay, cool. You're going to go do your um, warm up and say you're doing like a dow stretch to mobilize your thoracic, a kettlebell bottom under press to stabilize the shoulder. And that all works fine and still feels okay. But by the last set, like your shoulders start to get a little bit tired again. It's like, okay, when else are you stabilizing the shoulder during your training? Like, are you just doing bench press? Do you have like, when you do your shoulder presses, are you doing it through a functional pattern or like a, a typical bodybuilding kind of delt press? Uh, yeah. Do you have any landmine presses? Do you have anything that's like split stance and loaded? um protraction or anything like that where you you train the serratus and the lat to stabilize the shoulder so you can't just be like oh everything has to be done in the warm-up There's still working stuff down later in the program
1: that's going to address those issues as well yeah 100 yeah, percent. i wouldn't do anything differently to me else
0: yeah and then going into like an advanced person um like high-end intermediate into advanced usually you're strong enough that something hurts all the time so yeah, your warm-ups are usually
1: dictated by what that is again yeah, um, the, the stronger you are the longer the warm-up period generally as well yeah
0: yeah and and depending on the phase of training too yeah like my warm-ups for like a hypertrophy phase take five minutes yeah um because yeah. i'm not really Sorry. the intensity much yeah, yeah yeah if you're strong if,
1: and the intensity is high yeah the warm-ups the warm up, sorry, generally. Yeah, warm-up.
0: definitely. Whereas, like, yeah, to, to, I think on average it was about 45 minutes to do a working set on a squat or deadlift day. Yeah. So that's yeah. like stretching, mobilizing, stabilizing. Yeah. Um, like, deadlifts is like, I probably jump faster than most people. It's just like I played 25s at a time until you're pretty close and then slow it down. Yeah. Um, so I like, the idea of um, if you're working up to like fives or less and you're strong um, and by strong I just mean like you could fail in position so you're actually getting to a position where you're failing your lifts because of strength not because of technique which means you're actually maxing out the load that you could use um, I like 50% 75% 80 yep. 85 90 and then you're 100-ish. 100 ish Hundred. Um, Some people go 95 because just to build a little bit more confidence of what's coming. Um, Particularly earlier in like a phase of training, if you haven't moved a weight that's coming for a while, like I'm going to squat 200. um, Like you maybe don't want to go 180 to 200 if you haven't squatted it for a while. So it'd be more like Mm -hmm. do 180, 190, feel it Mm -hmm. 200.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really easy kind of way to approach things and, I guess the other thing is just understanding that it's just preparation as well. So we don't really want to be driving like huge amounts of fatigue because mm. you know you're about to start your actual working sets. So just not yeah. taking too much out of that recovery jug, like in in your warm ups, is quite important. Yeah, yeah. So something so um, for my
0: powerlifters on like comp day, um, the intermediate guys, it would be the fifty percent five reps. But um, I say seventy-five is like three to four then yeah. three double single. Yeah. As you get stronger and stronger. So for myself recently, I actually moved to like first two sets, usually doubles. Yeah. And then after that, it's all just singles. singles. Even if I have a top set of three, um, okay. it's just like yeah. build, yeah. build the pattern. And if I do a rep and it feels shit, I'll do another one.
1: Yeah. But if I, yeah.
0: it feels good racket. Don't build that fatigue.
1: Yeah. I think if you use that, method and you're trying to quantify it it's like maybe one to two sets to calibrate the movement, and then the rest of it's to calibrate the load mm-hmm. yeah, so you're just trying to work it's like pattern maybe another like set for patterning, yeah, and then after that it's just calibrating load, yeah, you know because the intensity goes up, so it's like all right, I yep. need to calibrate my whole body to yep. this weight yeah, and
0: usually if I'm using equipment so like wrist straps belts um all that type of stuff i will add them after that calibration yeah set yeah. to just like feel yeah. it get your own brace happening don't just like layer up on as much supported gear as you can and then yeah. train um, we
1: i want to go there today as well yeah
0: the equipment stuff yeah cool we'll,
1: yeah. yeah we'll jump into that
0: next so yeah i i typically add those um after that kind of second set usually
1: yeah 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 so i guess maybe if you were okay sorry uh maybe if we were warming up for a physique session hypertrophy based kind of training because the like i just feel like the approach is a little bit different just because the relative intensity is much lower
0: yeah i i don't i wouldn't change my warm-up i would change my
1: ramp sets yeah Yeah. well i guess that's sorry that's where i was thinking is more yeah how you approach your training session in terms of like preparing your body is probably quite the same. Like you've got, you know, your breathing work, your postural alignment stuff, the stabilizing proximal and uh, peripheral hubs of the body. Then after that, it's like, cause the relative intensity is quite low because generally it's like the sets are, so the rep ranges are you know, moderate to high. The ramp sets are just, you know, not as, there's not as many. Yeah. And it's more yeah. just like, you know, uh, couple of sets just to kind of feel the movement more just work out like, yep, this side I depress my shoulders, this is where I'm going to pull back and squeeze, and yeah yeah if, if, if anything, I tend to find like a couple of like contract pauses and some eccentrics and even slow concentrics as well kind of work quite nicely for just priming that muscle. i guess I know yeah. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bro term like just yeah. priming the muscle, but it is just like getting you getting your mind and muscle connected. In all facets of the movement, so it's like pause in the stretch, slow concentric, slow contraction, slow eccentric. Spending time—it's that whole like moving slow, learning fast. Yeah, you know, and then yeah, just accumulating the intent, the weight till a relative load that's you know considered working, but at all times not trying to drive fatigue because you know we're trying to drive fatigue in the working sets, and we're quantifying those working sets as you know how a part of how we progress. And I think the benefit
0: of like your hypertrophy sessions is you've got eight reps, you've got 10 reps, you've got 12 reps or whatever. So you can do two really slow ones, two pauses like over that one set and just yeah. kind of make sure that you've yeah. got everything. Like for Definitely. me, I know um, maybe it's a little bit lazy, but typically during that hypertrophy phase, particularly right now, it's like coming out of comp. It's like, I don't want to be in the fucking gym for two hours, two and a half hours it's like cool one warm-up set at like 50 to 60 70 percent of what i'm going to have of my working weight yeah um take my time with it feel it all out get in the right position and then like get to work because like the likelihood of depending on the movement that you're doing too like my bench press would i'm still benching um it's a variant but i still bench but i don't really squat and deadlift so those movements i would Work up slower, but like yeah. one of my sessions starts with a seated row. It's like, well, I'm gonna do one set, of that.
1: yeah. I think it's very specific on what the exercise selection is, the rep range stuff. Like, I've got 20 30 rep sets of like rear delt flies and shit, so I might like, oh, fucking warm up for that, yeah. Like, exactly, it's yeah. 30 reps, like, yeah. You'll be- <laughs> the load's not gonna be that heavy. <laughs> Your first <laughs> yeah. 15 reps of the warm up, once you get yourself in the space of to train, which is the phase before you even get into the first exercise like 30 reps man like yeah that's i wouldn't if the movements were like i wouldn't even do 30 reps of other like other exercises in in rep ranges to warm up so yeah it's just like the weight is nowhere near challenging to get hurt so the other part of the
0: question was how to keep warm um i would maybe suggest that if you're doing a warm-up and you've done your first exercise like, there's maybe a lot less to that than you think. Yeah. Um, like, the average average full recovery from a high-intensity lift is, like, seven minutes. Yeah. So, it's pretty rare that you're going to be sitting around in the gym for longer than that. Um, yeah. And even, like, at comp, for, like, thinking about, like, powerlifters and strongmen and stuff, like, they'll fucking wait ages. Yeah. Um, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes sometimes in between lifts. So... More often than not, I would say it's not um, physical, like cooling down to a point where you would need to do another warm-up set. It'd just be more that mental... You've been, if you've been sitting around for quite a while and you like want to stay warm, I think it's more yeah. about staying warm mentally. And the yeah. key to that is actually not... You want to just turn it off after you set, turn it back on, which we have talked about heaps in um, yeah. previous episodes. But being able to have a process that when you approach a set that it's the same thing, whether it's breath work or whatever, a thought process that gets you in the zone to execute that.
1: Yeah. I think like the only caveat going in in there is like probably standardize your rest periods for a hypertrophy session though. Yeah. Um, Just because you're trying to use volume and sets and reps and load and stuff to quantify like progression. And you still want to make sure that, all the the environments are the same. Yep. So gas bagging with your mate about what you did on the weekend. And that takes five minutes and then doing a set and then, then doing two and a half minutes to the next set isn't consistent. And you know like you still want to make sure you've got a bit of a pump going on and stuff too. So it's like yeah. quite important that yeah you pick like well, respiratory are a hard thing. Like unless you're trying to drive a specific kind of physiological adaptation from, manipulating the rest period. So if you just, most of the time with most of my clients, I'll just standardize the rest period just be like, right, oh, it's two to three yep. minutes, just for example. Yep. Um, or if it's a smaller muscle group, you might be yes. able to, and it's isolation, you might be able to do a little bit less maybe. Yep. Um, but yeah, like other than that, it's like, yeah, just all those things you spoke about before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Well, I think we have kind of nail that.
0: Um, so I want to just go on to, um, so we had a question from our learning, our coaches academy just around like session length. Um, yep. From a business standpoint, we always advocate, advocate a 30 minute session, um, majority of the time. Some cases you'll need a little bit longer, but for most personal trainers, 30 minutes is kind of that, like if you're running things well, it should be enough time. Um, yep. It was kind of, you could just feel that it was a bit like, oh thirty 30 minutes, I'm a little bit concerned about getting enough done in that time, um, specifically for a beginner making it longer so you have more time to teach. I think there's so many considerations and what you just said made me think of it as just like, with a beginner, you can do so much more work in such a shorter period of time because they're of their inability to reach intensity.
1: Yeah, and they're not strong.
0: Yeah. So it's like, if they're not strong and they're not coordinated, your rest periods can be 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, and you can get a lot of work done in a 30 minute period with that. You can superset stuff. It's um, say If you program well,
1: like that whole yeah. density
0: model is great. We had a chat a few weeks ago about like whether or not you should or shouldn't com- um combine supersets with the same body part. Yeah. Um, And like in a in a setting for a beginner that might be the best way to actually take them to um, Like fatigue in in a in a given muscle. So task action failure. Yeah, like you can To do a bent over barbell row and then do a close grip single arm row on that barbell that's on the rack like the Mm -hmm. turnaround there's very quick and you can get like Four sets of each eight sets in total done in a really short period of time. Yeah, Um, like five to six minutes so yeah, you expand that over 30 minutes and you've kind of got, you're getting in 20 sets in a session, which for someone who's advanced is actually quite a lot. Um, But someone who's a beginner is going to just eat that
1: up. Yeah, I think like some of my corporate guys, um, all we do is supersets just because I need to set the program up so that they have an hour to go to the gym, Mm. do their session and get back to work because it's that, You know, lunchtime is yeah. kind of where the gym sessions get done. Yeah. So the superset model is quite valuable because you can get. I think I roughly worked out that it's between twelve and fifteen sets for half an hour if you straight set. Yeah. Which means you could probably do can double it. Almost. Double, double to maybe seventy-five like,
0: percent.
1: Yeah, seventy-five percent. I kind of worked out. So then that turns out, You know, twelve sets turn into about twenty. Yeah. Like twenty sets in a session is fucking great. Twenty know? sets in half an hour. yeah yeah yeah. and like sure i get it intensity goes up rest periods do as well and this whole conversation goes somewhere else but if your clients are invested in just you know generally feeling better weight management aesthetics you know they're not they are beginners yeah then that's pretty much where you could you you could work for a long period of time because you're Mm. servicing their goal yeah that's right you might have a an idea of like where you would like to move them, but reality kind of, you know, would say that that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And like, I think a trap I see a lot of young personal trainers fall into is like, they learn a little bit about the example used in the chat was like um, the squat. It's like, oh, cool. Well, I know how to take someone from not knowing how to squat to being able to squat. It's like, cool. And you see, client comes in with just a goal of like get fit tone up and then all of a sudden they spend 20 minutes of that session bar placement foot position bracing depth playing with weight oh we need to add this we need to do this cueing like all this intervention shit and it's like maybe you could have just done four sets of goblet squats leg press walking lunges leg extensions got in four exercises probably supersetted them um, at four sets each and you've done 16 sets of leg work in the time that you could have done, like you've done eight set or six sets of low intensity barbell squats. And then all of those four movements are going to make their squat
1: better anyway. Yeah. I mean, in defense to these guys being we're we're very proficient because we do it a lot. Yeah, for sure. So I do get that, you know, there's a time multiplier when you're new. Yeah. Um, You just want to make sure that the delivery is kind of standardized no matter what, like, you know, if you start at 30 minutes, like kind of keep it there. If your clientele moves and and your goals move, then yeah, it might permit something a little bit longer, but most people, like most beginner PTs just regurgitate too much information. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get the client moving. So you actually want to spend as little time talking as possible outside of the that initial consult where you're identifying you know all the stuff and building this profile yeah. but when you're in the gym it's like you know so if I don't have to demonstrate a movement I won't because I'm like that's time yeah. you could be moving
0: yeah not it's, me. it's about the servicing the outcome of the client not your outcome yeah not showing how much you know yeah yeah so if if servicing the outcome of the client means doing the maximum amount of work in a session and like, I, I would pretty comfortably argue that, so those two examples, you spend 20 minutes a week improving someone's barbell squat, and I spend those 20 minutes doing 16 sets of leg work. Yeah. I My client will be as good, potentially even better, at a back squat in six weeks' time. Yeah. Um, and I can probably spend maybe five minutes in the first time that they put a bar on their back and get them squatting to the same capacity as your client that took the other route. Yeah. So then we go, okay, so what if they're both going to end up in the same destination in terms of being able to squat, but I've I've been doing 16 sets a week of legwork versus you've been doing say five of light legwork who's actually progressed body composition wise Is enjoying the training more is seeing progression is yeah. getting their heart rate up, burning more calories, all that type of has stuff. Has the, inside.
1: probably more important than all of them, it has the buy-in as well. It's so yeah. like, you know, doing all this fiddly stuff with someone new to the gym, the buy-in's very minimal. Like, Yeah, they don't care. They're, well, they're not there for that reason, so yeah. they're not going to be able to, like you can highlight any dysfunction under the sun, but if they're not there for that reason, yeah, they're just going to, most of them are just going to be like, well, this doesn't really serve my why I'm here.
0: Yeah. And then like, that client then is confident. Say six weeks, right? They're, they're confident in the gym. So cool. I need you to do these warm ups before you get to me. Yeah. Then sweet. So we've done the leg press six weeks in a row now. We've done twenty four sets of them together. Are you comfortable doing the leg press by yourself? Yes, I am. Sweet. So now we can spend an extra five to ten minutes on the squat, and you can go and do the leg press once we're finished.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really valuable thing too. Like how you program your session. Like I was trying to get through the prime stuff together, you know, and the compelling questions and issues that have presented themselves in the last week. Yep. And after that, I'm like, okay, so I've addressed all of the stuff that we needed addressing. And I was here for your most challenging and technical sets of the session. Yep, You are now able to go and finish off on your own the rest of the workout. And I think that, I don't know if like, I feel like we kind of pioneered that a little bit too that, not trading time, where we are like you get a period of time with a trainer one-on-one yeah but the package is the sessions the program access to me yeah. the portal check-in the information the check-ins yeah so you're not trading time as a service yeah you're trading a total service yeah that has a time element inside it yeah so then you can go well this is the rest of the workout that you've got to do. And we've taken care of some issues that have presented themselves outside the gym. We've got some strategies for that now. And we've also gone through, if someone goes, oh, I need you to look at this. Like sometimes I'll walk into the gym and what are we doing today? Oh, I need you to help me with my squat. Okay. It's not squat day, but they need me to help them with their squat. Or they yeah. say to me like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, this isn't my time. Yeah. So I'm like, you tell me, what i can how i can service you best yeah within this time and then they go okay well help me with this or just the next workout and i think that's a really cool space to be in especially as a trainer because time is finite and we can only trade so much of it because and i know for some of you guys that are new and you've got more time i'm telling you now once you take up majority of it it's like you've only got so much left and you value that so much and if you kind of exhaust it all at the start. You'll take so much, it'll take so much longer to get it back. Yeah. Because once you give someone a product and a service and a this and a that, you have to keep it, you have to uphold it. Yeah. And it,
0: you've just got to keep the outcome of the client above your own anything almost always. Yes. So, like, if you can take the same client and teach them so it's like that whole like teach a man to fish or give him that yeah. fish type idea it's like yeah. if i can teach you how to train and then i can check in with you and progress you and like a lot of people like what the accountability and the push and all that type of stuff um like most of our trainers like i will outwardly say they don't count reps you count your own reps i'm watching what the fuck you're doing yeah um so it's like i'm here to Guide you towards your outcome. If you only train when you're with me, then the likelihood of that outcome becomes less. And then when you stop training with me for whatever reason, you move, it becomes non financially um, available. Like whatever happens for some reason, you can't work with me anymore. I go on holidays, you go on holidays. All of a sudden, you can't function. Like that, I've done a disservice to you in that you're after the after photo. It's going to be yeah. back to square one because you didn't actually learn you weren't empowered to be able to train, manage nutrition, manage lifestyle, mm. um, have critical thinking, review your progress, make changes where required so you can do it yourself if you had to.
1: Yeah. That's, it's a super powerful thing. Like if you make, if you take the mentality that you're trying to make yourself redundant, the opposite yeah. will happen. 100%. And yeah. there's that little bit of fear element for those new guys and, even people now that aren't new, I guess, who don't um, necessarily structure their business in a way that I believe, or we believe, should should be done. Yeah. Um, but that's not taking, that's not putting the client's goal um, first as a priority. Yeah, you know, I think that's why so many PTs don't write programs. Yeah, it's also so sab- why so many PTs don't get results either. Yeah, or and that's they, it. It's like, like yeah. oh,
0: I'm, I'm so scared that you're gonna leave me that I'm gonna sabotage your results. It's like, what the fuck? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like who? who is this about is this about like if you get good results repeatedly you're going to get pay-
1: paid yeah if you serve and you will if your service is is the if the ceiling of your service is at a piece of paper that's got exercise and sets and reps on it's like you're a fucking problem yeah yeah you need to revisit, revisit yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's do like STC, what's your
0: yeah you do the stc fit learning coaches academy
1: <laughs> yeah man yeah and like we could go off anywhere yeah. on this but it's like just yeah, working on what you offer, like yep. we just that going on a tangent, turning this into a business and kind a of mindset PT kind of academy call. Yeah, so it's just like what you need to address, what you offer, and yep. what you could do better. Yeah, and then I think you you'll
0: see that if you're if you're a client listening, you want to look for a coach that promotes their clients' results as their clients' results. Um, so like they're conscious to say, like, this client did this, 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 and this, and got X, yeah, rather than I did this. It's like, well, because you didn't (laughs) like, (laughs) um, I got some people lean this year, I didn't get lean because I didn't want to go through dieting, like, yeah, Yeah, they they did the work. I I just checked in with them and said, hey, change this based on the information. So, yeah, at best, I'm like their accountant and counsellor and like your their, cal-
1: their calorie account yeah so I call myself a calorie yeah. account
0: so it's like at the end of the day the, the clients the one that's got to do the work so your job is to empower them to do it at the best level possible
1: yeah and don't
0: and stop trading time yes um, alright so you want to talk about equipment
1: yeah, so I'm um, oh, super salty uh, about. Uh, I'm wrap. fucking salty, man. <laughs> it's good. Um,
0: I've been salty for us. So it's your turn?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I was in a gym and I overheard two people having a conversation, and they were on the bench press. And I, once they finished the set, one one person was spotting another, and then he said, "See, you don't need those fucking pussy ass wrist wraps to do bench press." And so, like, every now and then if someone's doing some weird shit in the gym and my attention kind of like goes there, I, you're, you you can not talk to me. Um, I'll, I can't listen. I'm just like, that's fucked up. Like <laughs> something's going to happen. And my clients kind of know too. They're just like, all right, what's going on? Cause you're, you're not with me right now. Yeah. Like, I'm really sorry, but I can't look at that. So I'll, Either that or I'll kind of walk it the other way and kind of have the game in front of me and whatever's going on behind me. Anyway, so this, I heard this and I was like, no, nah, this is bullshit. Like, so I went to turn around and go like, I wear wrist wraps. Like, you know, so then I had a little mini conversation with myself in my head. And I'm like, look, this is, this isn't the right time. Like you're, you're with your client. Yeah. Don't go and get them into a debate with someone like when you've got to serve your client's goal. Right? Do it yeah. on the podcast later. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, fuck man. Like you can't sit there and say shit like that when you don't actually have an understanding of like what adjuncts can serve as for performance and training. Mm-hmm. So my head like, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit more detail. I like think person that said it was a personal trainer. So that probably infuriated me even more because it just shows like a total misunderstanding of like training and performance. Mm-hmm. And what if this particular individual, could use those wrist wraps in a proper manner and you know lift more weight and that was their goal so it's was yep. like instilling those like kind of biases into people when they don't need to is not a really good place to be in and i've kind of been guilty of it in the past you know just with like who i follow nutrition wise <laughs> um but now i'm just like i right, you know, just RIP. have a yeah <laughs> just have a general understanding anyway. So I was like, and you see it with the belts as well. Like people wearing them like a fucking trouser belt because they're like so low, the belt's so low that it actually supports their lower back, but not in the way that it actually should support their lower back kind of thing. So, and I've had conversations with my guys about getting knee sleeves and stuff and you know, they're kind of like, why would you want me to get those? And I'm like, well, you're kind of getting to the stage now where we're, Really fucking strong, so I almost think that giving where we're going, which is to get even stronger, there's phases where we could utilize them, yeah, you know, so I think that a lot of people just don't have a understanding of like why we would use them, when to use them, and yes, given your like I don't really use that much equipment anymore, like when I was power building and we were doing the low reps and stuff, like I was pretty heavily reliant on the equipment, but I don't use much anymore, like I might use my belt for. Three sets, three sets in a session, maybe four sets now, and it's funny because I kind of almost feel like I have less aches and pains and niggles and stuff, and it's because I can walk into a gym and not have my belt on already, yeah, before I've even like done my first set of bicep curls or something. So, yeah. yeah, I just want to go, I just want to go there and just yeah. pull it apart. I am. My, um, my
0: first session after comp, I was just like, all I wanted to do was pec flies. It's like I'm excited to do pec flies because I haven't done them for like a year. Yeah, um, I got out of the car. Hey, did your chest cramp like Aaron? O- almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I felt like I was as big as Phil Heath, and I, the photos that I took in the mirror did not agree with me. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to my life, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm
1: gonna take a photo. of This pump, and I go. I'm like, no, no.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> I, um, but yeah, I remember getting out of the car and grabbing my water bottle, and like just standing at the car, like. Yeah. What else? But I'm forgetting something. No. nothing's missing. I'm like, oh, phone, wallet, keys, water. Oh, f- okay, this is it. And I walked into the gym without a bag and I was like, this is fucking strange. Yeah. Like where's all my shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I actually enjoy, I think once you've gone through one of like, particularly a peaking block, but any time yeah. of like term, any type of very high strength specific training block, getting away from the equipment's really nice Mm. Um, because you just cut to like kind of move on your own and like um, it's a stressor too right Mm. like fuck wrist wraps you do them up tight enough your hands want to pop like belts bruise your hips they hurt your ribs the the brace is crazy it sends your blood pressure through the roof like um, shoes like have their own little tolls on you in terms of like hips and knees and that type of stuff because you don't have the flexibility um knee sleeves i really like and i would probably still use them in the in the off season um just to accrue volume without loading the joint as much um yeah okay it's it's just once you get to a certain level of strength it's just like just put them on
1: yeah um haven't thrown my knee sleeves on yet. As so I just have those, like, well, actually, no. The reason why I haven't is because down the bottom of the movement for me, my hack squat, for example, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I don't want that help, yeah, yeah, like that elasticity, yeah. So that's probably why I haven't, like yeah. When I think about what it serves for that long term outcome, it's like, you know, if I look at my legs it's like that area kind of I guess, like distally of the quad is yeah. needs the most amount of development. It's probably because I spent the best part of 12, 18 months squatting in sleeves using yeah. really heavy and shortening range of motion.
0: Yeah. I think um, you don't necessarily need stability often either. I think, I think there's more no. to you get more out of sleeves from a stability standpoint than you get out of like a, rebound or anything like that like yeah. there's a little bit but primarily it's just like the external cue allows you to drive into it more you get a little bit of help in that extended range um, yeah but the the proprioception of stability at the knee allows you to produce way more force yeah so um, if you're not challenging stability, which you're not, cause you're strapped into a hack press. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, so that's like, it's, you don't necessarily need to, unless the load's really
1: high. Yeah. Unless you're super fucking strong.
0: Yeah. And then like to meet the, to meet your volume requirements, the ropes, you're yeah. reaching like tissue tolerance of the knee and you're starting yeah. to get sore, beat up. It's like fucking put some sleeves on. Yeah. Um, I
1: think um maybe in two or three weeks it gets to like five sets of 15. Yeah. So then it might, yeah, uh, like 10%. at the moment, I'm doing like three sets. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe at that time, I'll put them on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, we're particularly because I come from the world of raps, Like, knee sleeves are like nothing. Okay. You put some shorts on.
1: Like, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you um, put socks
1: around your knees. Yeah.
0: Cause it's like you might get, <laughs> personally, I might get like 10 kilos out of sleeves. Yeah. Um, maybe 15 whereas I'll get 20 to 30 out of wraps just because of the way I squat. Um, So like for mine, it's like, it's, it's not taking away that much and it's allowing me to add more intensity. And then like for myself, when I say off season, I'm thinking like safety bar squats, safety bar split squats, um, heavy leg press, pendulum squats, those type of movements where I'm going to get benefit from them. Yeah. Um, rather than like, yeah, hack squat, leg extension, walking lunge, something like that, even step ups where you want to challenge stability. Like I wouldn't be using them there.
1: Yeah. So I guess kind of where I want to go with this is how would you apply, when would you apply wrist wraps, knees, sleeves, and a belt so that we don't have these biases around things like, cause I had people message me even when I put my mini rant on Facebook on my Insta story. Yeah. And they were telling me that they feel self-conscious about using equipment because people think that way. Fuck. And I was like, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Like I don't care what anyone thinks of me in general, which yeah. we established last week in the <laughs> podcast, but there are people out there that are still not there yet. Yeah. And to go and say that, you know, you're a fucking pussy because you wear X, Y, and Z like, yeah. Wrist straps
0: were wrist straps for pussies. It's like, yeah, cool. Like I, I have an idea of who it was. It's like, come bench with me then bro.
1: Yeah. Well the, f- the irony up. of all of this was <laughs> that that person's weak as fuck too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, there was, there's multiple things here, but like taking a step back from that, which, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, it was quite humorous just for myself. Um, was that people are actually not using, You know, adjuncts in their training, which could help them facilitate their goal, even for certain periods of time, because of this idea that they're cheating or they're, yeah, so whatever. When is when you are technically proficient
0: enough, and it is then a limiting factor to your training. Yeah. So if you are technically proficient enough in the squat, and you can fail in position. And then you get to a point where it's like, if you added more trunk stability, you could produce more force, yep. but it's not going to be a crutch for your technique, it's just going to allow you to have more brace. Cause that's like, what's breaking down as an example, put a belt on. Yeah. Um, if you're getting to the point again with the squats, like if I provide you, if you can already squat really well and you're quite strong and I can give you sleeves and add more stability, let's do it. Yeah. Um, if your ankle mobility is pretty good and if I give you shoes, it improves the functionality of your squat, and you move better and can move more weight, yeah. put shoes on. If you're bench pressing and particularly for like girls that it's like, how are you going to, how much can you train wrist stability mm-hmm. on a 50 to 65 kilo girl?
1: Yeah. how big, are um- Those people's wrists, yeah. Like comparison to the barbell that they're pressing as well. So
0: if you if you're a strong female and have wrists the same as me, because I have female wrists, (laughs) and you're trying to stabilize like body weight bench presses and shit, yeah. There's like there's going to get to a point where it's like that limitation in your wrist is the limitation of the bench. So your bench press is better than you're showing, and you're not progressing in your movement because you you your wrist. So it's like, are you going to go do like forearm curls or like put wrists on wrist wraps on for a block, still train, maybe do your working, like your ramping sets without wraps. So you're still training the stability element. Do your dumbbell stuff without them. Do your rowing and all of that without them. So you're still training forearm strength and wrist stability outside of that. But a prime lift, you're there to do work.
1: So do the work. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the design of your session is quite important, which you just mentioned then. It's like, If you've got a pressing session and you're doing 16 sets of pressing, maybe don't wear it for all of them, Mm. but for the movements that are going to challenge the stability the most, or the ones that are considered your prime for the session. It's like whack them on.
0: Yeah. And then on the flip side of that is stop using them when they become required. Yeah. So if you can't squat without a belt, you need to do a, a beltless block. If you can't squat without shoes, you need to do a... Shoeless block to get your yeah. ankle range back and all that type of shit
1: Yeah, and that's a super valuable thing to to understand as well that Yes, it's like we perform our best um, When we have these adjuncts on But it's like we're moving forward thinking about the long-term outcomes It's like there are periods in time where you actually want shit to be Hard but yeah. not always a weight on the bar kind of hard, like a workout intensity hard. There's art, there's technical difficulties that we wanna drive during periods of training, which then allow you to make training hard by a sets intensity output, all those things, um, which is a hard thing to do because people don't like not being good at stuff. Yeah. Or people don't like, perceivedly being good at something and then you making that difficult yeah and i think that if you want to be a good athlete you or you know you want to get good results you actually need to address those yeah. and kind of you know welcome that difficulty yeah it's short-term thinking it's like
0: if i'm thinking about where you're going to be in six months not six days yeah so it's like cool you can put i could go and put knee wraps on and do my safety bar squats and post on the gram that I squatted 180 kilos on the safety bar, like say that I'm fucking awesome. It's like, no one cares. Yeah. What? And, and I don't even care. It's like, cool. You got a couple of likes, but I want to make my squat better. Yeah. So in six to 12 months when I compete again, my squats better. Yeah. Um, if you want to have better leg development, then what's going to give you the best leg development in six months, not six days. Yeah, so yeah, just kind of like with everything, just take a big step and look from bird's eye view at the entire picture. Um, typically, remove emotion from it and yeah. make logical decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a pretty big obstacle. Was like I don't know if you kind of face it much, but kind of get a lot of sometimes some pushback when you're trying to make things difficult for someone. Or even when you're addressing like weaknesses that fuck man, service thing. old too. And yeah. it's like, Oh, I don't like doing this. I'm like, why? Yeah. And most of the time it's like, it's fucking hard and you need yeah. to spend most of the time there anyway. Yeah. But it's like, God, oh, I'm not, I don't like this. And I'm like, why don't you like it? You don't like yeah. it. Cause you're not good at it. It's yeah. And it's like, the reason why you're not good at it is because you don't spend any time fucking doing it. Yeah. So reframe the way you think about things. Yeah reframe the way you approach your sessions. Cause you're not, you're not invested in the process in my opinion, when you think that way. Yeah. You're only solely invested in your outcome. And even then it's like, you're invested in a way where you're willing to cut every corner possible to get there. Yeah. Which means you won't. Yeah. And then it just means that that's got a fucking expiry date on it too. That's yeah. really, really short and really soon. And it's like, you're walking a really long, a really short path in terms of getting your results, but it's a long path in terms of like getting injured and, you know, getting yourself back and always saying to people, I remember when I used to do this and I remember when I used to do that. Yeah. It's like, I know I've
0: been there. Yeah. I did a four hundred kilo leg press once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's it. Oh, I used to squat this much. It's like, okay, why don't you now? Oh, it hurts my knees. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. It's like, all right. So you just didn't do all the necessary work you needed to, or you just programmed like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I get more pushback when I make stuff easier. Yeah, it's like I need you to go and just enjoy training for three weeks. Yeah, and it's like, oh, but but I I need it to be this. It needs to be really hard. hard. It's like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't though. (laughs) Um, Not necessarily. Not all all the time. If we can refresh you mentally and physically, then the block after that is going to be much better. And that's what I'm more interested in.
1: Yeah, I think Um, a lot. What a lot of people don't realize as well is like the reason why they enjoy training still is because you have backed off. Yeah, maybe a lot of people don't enjoy training for certain parts of the year, just because they're fucking overworked. Yeah. And they just need to back off. Yeah. And it's like, you're, we're just like pulling the strings behind the scenes to make sure that never happens. Like they never sit there and go, Ben, I can't be fucked. Yeah. And that happens like over a month, like more than it should Where Like every now and then, yeah, sure. I can't be fucked, whatever. But like, chronically that doesn't happen. And that just comes from, you know, good periodization frame. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had, my clients
0: like that, that are just a couple of them have done like preps back to back and shit like that. And it's just like, yeah. I'm, I hate going to the gym at the moment. I'm like, I know, I get it. Yeah. You're four weeks to your goal, and then we're going to have fun again. But if yeah. you don't have a deadline like that and you'll have a more um, lifestyle type goal, then you don't really need to ever get in that place.
1: Yeah. Even, even like the where I'm at now, like, it's still quite. Invested in like, putting on a lot of size and being strong and being in pretty good shape. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I've seen the best results now just kind of not pushing the needle all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, like I, I, them, I get,
1: right? I get encouraged, put it like that. Yeah. To, you know, balls the wall all the time. Yeah. But it just doesn't sit very well with my bow Yeah around training and recovery and just the things that I believe in. And I just haven't been doing it. You know, mm. I've been kind of periodizing my training the way that I would, that sits well with me. And yeah. I can't even tell you the last time I skipped a session or a week or yeah. anything like that and go on, you know what, I really just can't okay. be fucked. At yeah. The moment. yeah. Um, so I think it's quite an important thing to, to address.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's something that I think is more prevalent in the physique
1: realm. Yeah, because it's that whole, like, train oh, to failure. Yeah,
0: actually, yeah, it's the same.
1: Well, it's it, yeah, actually, no, it's not. It, yeah, because yeah. you see people, like, fucking doing it's just the sets. It's just the people I hang out with in powerlifting. Don't yeah, because you don't see people doing, like, singles and shit, and they just finished the prep. It's like, what are yeah. you doing? And they're in raps and shit. What yeah. the are you doing, man? Like, they're playing the raps on three days after a meet. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, why? Yeah, yeah and it's Yeah, it's that whole, like, Push the total limits of performance because that gives you a measure of like where you're at. But like it's like again, you look for those. Look at that long-term goal. Yeah, it's like you don't need to. You just expressed your strength. You just yeah. showed yourself how strong you were. So it's good. Like that's not actually going to change. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I guess yeah, from a from like a physique development perspective, the yes, there's still that huge notion of like effort and Training to failure is the major driver of physique and result. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying like, there's not times to work hard. There fucking there is like you guys expressing strength through a one RM is no different to us going through phases or weeks in our mesocycle yeah. of training to failure. Yeah. But training to failure every single time you go in is yeah. like just yeah. drawing energy out of, a bucket that's never not going to be able to fill itself back up in time for you to do it again. And you're just going to be on redraw. And then once you get to redraw you either get hurt or you can't be fucked. Yep. So yeah, it's like the new research, the new evidence that's coming out saying like you don't need to train to failure. I get the other, like there's two camps now, like one camps like, well, you don't, so only do it a little bit. That's the sensible crew. Um, sorry, there's three camps. That's one. Yeah. The other camp's like, no, man, you guys are fucking pussies. Yeah, you know, irrespective of the fact that they don't tell you, they're probably on about five grams of like testosterone and androgens a week. (laughs) Um, and then there's the other camp which is going to misinterpret that and not train hard enough at all. Yeah, you know, which I totally get, but it's about understanding that whole long-term macro cycling of training. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so this is, and even just periodizing within um. A, a micro cycle or a mesocycle of like how you would go. Yeah. This week it's red because it means fucking go, go for it. Yeah. Go fucking go for it. everything yeah. you've got, you know? So yeah, it's a, yeah. This is one of those things that people deal with, which could just be managed with good programming.
0: Yeah. All right. So last topic of the day. Um, I know it's got long, but I promised my client I'd talk about. It, so, The question was just around. Let's see if I can find it. Is it actually possible to do powerlifting and bodybuilding at the same time, like prep for both at the same time? So there's obviously a lot of it depends in this kind of scenario. Um, Mm. And the biggest depends would be based on. Where your physique is currently and where your strength level is currently. Yeah. Um, if you're consistently training, are proficient in the in the big three movements already, and have decent hypertrophy, good weight ranges, all that type of stuff, then a powerlifting prep, I think, like twelve weeks, is enough to yeah. get you onto the platform and have a good day. Bodybuilding same kind of things. If you have all your ducks in a row, so like mentally emotional, (laughs) um, stable, a life, a life that is, um, conducive to conducive is a good word. Yeah. 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 Um, plus you've already got like nutrition, sleep, recovery, training, all of that on lockdown. Then I would probably look at 20 weeks as like a minimum for a, a bodybuilding prep. Um, just to give us room that we don't have to be savage about it. You could do it shorter, but, it depends on where they're at to be honest. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be pretty savage if it is a 12 week bodybuilding prep, um, yeah. particularly for a natural athlete. If they're lean. If they're
1: lean, it's not. Um, yeah. but if they're not lean, then yeah. it could take 30 weeks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it really does. It really does depend on a lot of things. A hundred percent.
0: So I think if you were like in photo shoot shape and really strong, then you could do both. Yeah. Um, And I would then just probably say like, you'd want to time ideal scenario would be to time the bodybuilding show before the policy meet. So it's like, you can peak on lots of food get your shit back together um, and at least get you a good peak in not under diet fatigue. The other way around is going to be, tough because it's like you want to have enough fuel there to recover from your high intensity sessions and you're trying to slam off body fat Um, starting to get quite difficult i think like a photo shoot level of leanness like i took girls through the fbme and then straight into the liftoff and that was easy it's like the deficit's not too crazy you're not getting really lean you're not getting really hungry you still got sufficient food to recover from your training you're still getting stronger week to week. You're managing progressive overload. Okay. Um, once you start to get into that, like shredded, it's just not conducive to lifting heavy ass weight.
1: Yeah. I'll just question the motivations to do both. Um, and then just have a look at the timing. Like you just said, yeah, So the timing, probably everything. Like I'm yeah. not saying it can't be done, but if they're really close to each other, then and you just go ask yourself, like, why are you doing both? And like, yeah, I don't know, just like really under the idea of like if you want to be the best at one thing, then pick one thing. Like if you just want to compete in both and like have fun or whatever, then yeah sure. Yeah. But it's like Yeah. Just Yeah, and, and that's the other thing too, is I'm I think like that too. It's
0: like if if um I'm quite an average power lifter and I'm not like fighting for pro raw titles or anything, but I still want to give myself every opportunity to be the best I can possibly be on the platform. Yeah. So it's like dotting every I crossing every T to do that. Yeah. Um, and if was, if I was to compete in a physique um, competition, which I'd be even worse at, I would still want to give myself every opportunity to be in a position that is my best. Yeah. So the, the thought of trying to combine the two, I would know there would be sacrifices to both. Yeah. And for myself personally, I don't know if I could take that on. Cause it's like, I, I would be frustrated by that yeah. and I would rather do like, maybe if you did like six months of bodybuilding, six months of powerlifting so yeah. bodybuilding, six months powerlifting. So then like your recovery from your bodybuilding show is the powerlifting, yeah. lots of food, lift heavy, um, add some accessory work so you can improve for the next year and Oof. then your recovery from your power meters, like moving into more volume based training, training, lower intensity, and then you can still work in to fix the dysfunctions and stuff that, like, a power prep may have created, anyway. So, kind of like that's kind of what I did last year, anyway. I did a Strength hypertrophy for the best part of eight months, and then the rest of it was tailored just specifically for powerlifting. So I feel like you can do that really effectively and compete in the same year, Mm -hmm. but it would be like season A for bodybuilding, season B for powerlifting type deal.
1: That'd probably be the best bet. I'm like, I know 100% that it can be done the other way, but yeah, just looking at the best practice for most people, yeah, it's going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. And then you look at the nuances
0: between that. It's just like, you can be a strong bodybuilder yeah. um, or you can be a powerlifter. That's in great shape. Um, yeah. That's like photo shoot ready in four weeks. Yeah. Um, Cause it, particularly in the, in the girls, like a lot of them are fucking in good shape. Um, yeah. Like we were at wildcats on the weekend man, and all of them were in shape. Yeah, that's right. So um, you can definitely be in shape, which I think, for a lot of people, competing is a a goal based on getting into that kind of shape rather than wanting to compete, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like if I set myself a deadline to compete, then I will get into that shape. And then yeah. hopefully not, but sometimes it's along the lines of like, if I'm in that shape, then I'll be happy. That's the biggest red flag of all of them. Um, we definitely don't want that situation no. because you, when you come back out, that's going to cause all sorts of yeah. drama.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so then it would just be like, okay, are you aware you can have like a flat stomach, maybe visible oblique abs, nice shoulders, etc., um, visible quads and stuff, and look defined and like fitness model type look and to be strong as fuck yeah and do you need to be leaner than that to feel fulfilled in your pursuit of physique um, in your physique pursuit and then if you do want to be leaner than that then cool separate it and move it to another part of the year. yeah I agree cool alright well I best go to a training session before I go to Perth um, so shout out to this will come out Friday. So Steph will have already competed in the juniors to under 23 under 42 kilo female <clears throat> class at APU. Um, and then Aaron will be in the junior under 74 kilo males on Friday. Um, so probably as you're listening to this, so yeah, good luck to both of those guys. Their, their preps have yep. been really, really cool. I'm I'm so excited. Um, Aaron's just a beast. He just fucking eats it. Yeah. Um, just eats volume, eats training, just whatever That's I right. say to do, he does it. And then he, he even changes shit. Sometimes he's like, oh, I did this and just felt good. I'm like, show me I'm like, yeah. All right, sweet. Yeah. So he's, he's actually pursuing it himself, which I like. Awesome. Um, and yeah, like Steph had been had been powerlifting for like, <clears throat> excuse me, eight weeks before APU States. Um yeah. so we've put now another 12 weeks into her and just her tech alone is yeah. um insane. Yeah, it's awesome. her, her bench press is fucked. Um we're going we'll go close to anywhere between sixty but most likely sixty five kilo bench press at fifty three fifty two kilos. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so not bad for twenty weeks.
1: Very impressive, man. Yeah.
0: So that'll be fun. Um the, the guys at PTC have invited me to help coach for the weekend. So it'll be a cool experience as well. I get to check out um, Richie's gym over there in Perth, which yep. is supposed to be fucking
1: epic. So yeah. I'm, Looking forward to the photos, mate.
0: Yeah. I'm just hoping it's not closed because I want to train. Like I hope it's oh, yeah, like an area for comp and then I can still uh, go yeah. train. But we'll see. Oh, yeah. they'll probably end up with a good laugh as well. No. <laughs> um, so... Also reminder, the Sydney seminar will be mm. Sunday week away. We still have plenty of tickets, so get on ASAP and yeah. get those. Um, yeah, make our trip worthwhile coming up there. So we come back. Um, screenshot, share, tag, Ben Scott SC at Jason Gilear underscore PC at STC fit underscore learning. And yep. we'll be back in a week. And yeah, give us some feedback on the audio.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Very this. interesting.
0: We've done this all by ourselves, set them up today. So hopefully, we've either made Tam proud proud or just give him a shitload of work to do in the next two days to make it sound okay.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Awesome. All right. 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 Thanks. See you next time, guys. Bye.